break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 24th of March, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show. As we always have for you, we're going to be talking about new climate rules in the United States. We're also going to be talking about ongoing repression against the pro-democracy movement in Swaziland. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with bonuses soaring on Wall Street. Wall Street employees who make bonuses... Had a great year in 2021, with bonuses increasing 20% over where they were in 2020. And that increase was five times the increase in the average U.S. weekly earnings, according to a new report from the Institute for Policy Studies. As they lay out, quote, The average annual bonus for New York City-based security industry employees rose 20% to $257,500 in 2021, far above the 7% annual inflation rate. By contrast, typical American workers lost earning power in 2021. Average weekly earnings for all U.S. private sector employees rose by only 2% between January 2021 and January of 2022, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The IPS reporting goes on to add that, quote, the average Wall Street bonus of $257,500 in 2021 was far higher than any year since the 2008 financial crash. The second highest was the 2017 average bonus of $209,046 adjusted for inflation. These bonuses come on top of base salaries, which averaged $254,000 in 2020. And they go on to note even further that, quote, the total bonus pool for 180,000 New York City-based Wall Street employees in 2021 was $45 billion, enough to pay for more than 1 million jobs, paying $15 per hour for a year. And it's not just from 2020 to 2021 that bonuses in Wall Street rose either. As the report further details, quote, since 1985, the average Wall Street bonus has increased 1,743%. And they also related that, quote, if the minimum wage had increased at that rate, it would be worth $61.75 an hour today instead of $7.25. Bonuses have often come under fire from Wall Street critics because they encourage riskier bets since bonuses are linked to performance. In fact, in the Dodd-Frank Act passed in 2010, allegedly to deal with the issues that led to the 2008 financial collapse, There was a section known as Section 956, which prohibits large financial institutions from awarding pay packages that encourage, quote unquote, inappropriate risks. Now, despite the fact that this rule was supposed to be enacted within nine months of the passage of the legislation, it has never, in fact, been implemented. Yes, that's right. It's supposed to take nine months, been 12 years. They still have done nothing. And that's all due to the actions of Wall Street lobbyist pressure. Congress, of course, has also failed to raise the federal minimum wage during this time period as well. Two actions that tell you quite a bit about U.S. capitalism, where the rich get richer 
while the poor struggle to survive. Africa's last absolute monarch, King Maswadi III of Iswatini, also known as Swaziland, is cracking down on key organizations in the mass movement that has been threatening his hold on power for the last year, in particular, the Communist Party. On Wednesday, 40 heavily armed police abducted Communist Party of Swaziland member Bongai Nakumbule, held him for hours, beat him brutally, then dumped him nearly two miles away from his home, forcing him to walk back on massively swollen feet. They also confiscated his cell phone, which the self-employed father of three uses for work, significantly impacting his livelihood. And this comes after Ayanda Ndwane, the national organizer of the Communist Party, was targeted for beatings on this past Saturday and then had his two children and cousin kidnapped on Sunday by, again, about 40 armed soldiers this time. And the children and his cousin were held for hours before being released. And all of this has actually forced Ndwane underground. The authorities seem particularly incensed at the frequent sunset rallies, quote-unquote, organized by the Communist Party to symbolically represent that the struggle is nearing success and it is now the twilight of the king's rule. The most recent protests held in a number of cities and towns across the country on March 19th were suppressed by heavily armed police using tear gas and batons. The rallies are part of a struggle that has been raging in Swaziland, spearheaded by students for the past year. As the news site People's Dispatch notes, quote, Last year, the struggle for democracy rose to a new level with anti-monarchist demonstrations sweeping across the rural areas and rallies organized in every single constituency across the country. When violence was unleashed against these peaceful rallies, an uprising erupted in urban industrial centers with attacks on businesses and properties owned by the king and his associates. In the midst of this uprising in late June and early July of 2021, The king had briefly fled the country while the army put down the uprising by killing at least 70 and wounding hundreds. The king's repressive forces are so paranoid about the outbreak of further protest, they even arrested a group of citizens fixing potholes recently. But despite all the attacks, protests continue and supporters of the Swazi anti-monarchy forces are now starting to campaign more extensively outside the country in solidarity. While the king remains committed to using brute force to put down the uprising, He seems set to learn the age-old lesson that oppression tends to breed resistance. The Securities and Exchange Commission and the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the SEC and FERC, as they're known acronym-wise, both rolled out new rules this week touted as strong positive action to address climate change. The SEC rule unveiled on Monday made the biggest news and requires, as summarized by Inside Climate News, that, quote, publicly traded companies would be required to report on the risk they face from extreme weather, including storms or droughts, that could damage their businesses. Companies' filings would also have to convey transition risks, including those that companies face as consumers and policies push them towards cleaner energy sources, potentially leaving their fossil fuel assets stranded. If the rule is finalized, companies will have to disclose the short, medium, and long-term impacts of climate change, as well as any measures they intend to take to mitigate climate effects, such as placing an internal price on carbon or any targets they've set to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions, including whether they plan to use carbon offsets. Companies will also have to report their greenhouse gas emissions, including those from their business operations and the energy they consume, end quote. The rule did, however, punt on a major element that climate campaigners had urged the regulators to include. That's requiring reporting on the so-called Scope 3 emissions. Those are the emissions related to the supply chain and consumption of goods produced by these companies, which can often represent the bulk of their carbon footprint. 
Despite that, though, howls have been heard across Wall Street since the rule was rolled out on Monday, which is no surprise since the new rule does open up two new fronts that investors may use to pressure companies for certain changes. Most obviously, to take a stronger position on climate change, which is becoming a growing concern of large pension funds and some big investors like BlackRock, since the negative impacts of climate change are set to have trillion-dollar repercussions on the economy, and that's negatively, over the next couple decades. But also, undoubtedly, many companies have been downplaying their risks and loss from climate change, and the new reporting will reveal some of that and potentially lead investors to flee for greener pastures. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC, also announced new policy guidelines this week that specified they would be considering, quote, environmental justice impacts, end quote, in considering whether to approve natural gas pipelines moving forward. They left it fairly vague, just noting they will more closely scrutinize the trade-offs between the need to provide energy and the destruction the pipelines will cause. By giving themselves some room to work in terms of how it's implemented, the likely upshot of the new rule is that it gives FERC an easier way to reject pipelines where there's significant political pressure not to build, which is exactly why the natural gas industry is raising strenuous objections. On their own, the rules aren't necessarily all that significant since they require significant action by investors in the first instance and regulators in the second for them to have any real teeth. But in both cases, they do clearly reflect that the overall pressure to do something about climate change is an increasingly larger part of policymaking conversations. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 